John Muir Show, 10.06 a.m., and as we do every Monday at 10.06, we're glad to be heading to the phone lines where we are joined by our friend Brett Healy, president of the Wisconsin-based MacGyver Institute, to discuss all of the latest in Wisconsin politics. Brett, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, John. How are you? Doing great. Thank you very much. So uh, the big news in Wisconsin from this past week is we learned that our Democrat governor, Tony Evers, his administration had taped a phone conversation that Evers and two other members of the administration had with the top Republicans in the state legislature, Scott Fitzgerald and Robin Voss. This was a conversation that came in mid-May, the day after the Wisconsin Supreme Court's constitutionalist majority rightfully struck down the Evers administration's safer-at-home order, and we were told this conversation between Evers and Fitzgerald and Voss was them trying to figure out how the state would move forward after that court ruling. Uh, Of course, there are a lot of folks who are concerned and rightfully outraged that the Evers administration would go recording this conversation without the knowledge of Mr. Fitzgerald and Mr. Voss. Uh, You have the governor trying to downplay what happened, saying that it it was nothing nefarious, that the only reason it was recorded was so members of his team could listen back to it when they were taking notes uh, as to how they should proceed going forward. The question I have then, and of course the governor won't come on this program to answer it, so maybe you could answer it for me instead, uh, is that if the only reason that that phone call was being recorded Uh, was so the Evers administration could take notes, then why is it that they wouldn't just tell Fitzgerald and Voss, this is what we're doing, and here's the reason we're doing it, it's not nefarious at all? Clearly, you're exactly right. If this was simply an attempt to provide more accurate notes on the conversation, the staff or the governor himself would have asked Voss or Fitzgerald do you guys mind if we take this for that purpose? But that didn't happen, and it didn't happen because we all know that wasn't the purpose of the recording of the phone call. Mm-hmm. The timing that, that you point out is, is curious, uh, at, at the very least. Uh, the fact that this recording happened the day after the Supreme Court ruling, stri- striking down the governor's safer-at-home order, uh, suggests that they were looking to uh, create a controversy try and catch one of the leaders in saying something embarrassing uh, that would put the focus on uh, the, the Republicans and take it off of Governor Evers and his illegal uh, safer-at-home order. So I think most Wisconsinites see through this and uh, see the governor's uh, lame attempt at a, trying to explain this away for what it really is. Uh, his team got caught. Uh, they got caught because, quite frankly, they tipped off the mainstream media that they did it. Uh, they knew or they were hoping that the controversy over how they got the recording wouldn't uh, take away from the recording itself. And uh, they were hoping that their friends in the mainstream media would just completely ignore the fact that this recording was illegal. In Wisconsin, we're a one-party consent state, which means that someone on the call has to consent to it being recorded, but that has to be announced and has to be publicly talked about 
especially to the others on the call. Um, Governor Evers, when he was asked about this last week in his press conference, refused to name the staffer who consented to have the, the call recorded. That consent makes it a legal uh, recording. Until, though, they name that staffer, I think the recording is illegal and can be pursued by law enforcement. The question is, uh, would the Attorney General Josh Call uh, ever pursue charges against someone in the Evers administration? Um, I think most people would find that highly unlikely. Well, that, that's a question that Josh Call certainly uh, would have to answer Me in the too. public. And, and it's possible, yes, that what happened on the part of the Evers administration was illegal. At the very least, it was certainly unethical, and it seems abundantly clear what you just said, that the reason for doing this, it was not just about note-taking, that this was uh, Evers and his administration uh, ticked off that they rightfully lost in the Wisconsin Supreme Court and just hoping that he could get something on Voss or Fitzgerald, one of them, uh, to, to throw out there and try and make the Republicans who opposed his uh, safer-at-home order, who just beat him in court, look bad. When it comes to the transparency side of things, uh, you're saying, Brett, what I had said on this program last week, and that is that it seems pretty obvious that someone in the Evers administration, possibly Evers himself, tipped off the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, the mainstream media, uh, to the existence of this recording. I mean, how else would you know that there's this recording and that it's it's definitely worth pursuing because there, there might be something in there? I, I mean, it seems pretty clear that somebody would have had to have tipped off the mainstream media to the existence of this recording. Uh, and, of course, you had the Journal Sentinel uh, subsequently filing the open records request and obtaining this audio. Isn't it interesting when it comes to transparency that this Evers administration that has been so opposed to open records requests for, what, the year and a half that they've been in power now? Uh, when when open records requests have been filed, they still haven't wanted to, to have to meet uh, their legal obligation pertaining to these open records requests. They're so opposed to any open records requests that might make them look bad. But, of course, them looking bad is not reason to withhold the information from the taxpayers. But when it comes to something they believe will be politically advantageous for them, releasing this audio of Voss and Fitzgerald, now all of a sudden the Evers administration is all for open records requests. Yeah, it is quite uh, striking uh, the difference uh, here. And the fact, as you point out, that uh, when convenient, when it helps, when they when they think it helps them, they're all for open records requests and turning those over in a timely fashion. Uh, mm -hmm. The problem here for the Evers administration is this only has resulted in more open records requests, and I think you're going to see a flurry of new requests to see if any other audio recordings exist within the administration, within the East Wing, within Governor Evers' personal staff. Uh, and I guess we'll, <laughs> we'll have to wait and see if they are as eager to uh, fulfill those open requests as they, as they were to fulfill this one. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and if Governor Evers and his administration uh, have turned the page and they're now open to government transparency, then I would like to see them meet every open records request in a prompt manner. And also, uh, since 
apparently they love government transparency, tell us, the Wisconsin taxpayers, who recorded the conversation yep. and who, if anyone, consented to that conversation being recorded. Because uh, in the name of transparency, we absolutely deserve to know what was happening uh, pertaining to this corrupt and, again, possibly illegal action on the part of the Evers administration. Uh, as we're being joined here on the John Muir Show by MacGyver Institute President Brett Healy, talking the latest in Wisconsin politics. And we got the latest Wisconsin revenue estimates in during the past week. Uh, if you could tell us, where do things stand? Yeah, every May, the nonpartisan Legislative Fiscal Bureau takes a look at tax collections for the year and updates the legislature on their revenue projections for the state of Wisconsin. This, of course, is important because uh, the amount of tax collections that are coming into state government determines how much they can spend, whether or not they need to raise taxes, cut spending. Um, and, of course, this one took on added importance this year because it is the first revenue estimate we have uh, we have since uh, COVID-19 and the lockdown and the economic mm -hmm. uh, shutdown of our state. Uh, and the news, uh, not surprising, is not good. Uh, I think many people were expecting uh, bad news, and uh, we found out that tax revenue is down $380 million compared to last year. Um, no one was really surprised by that. Uh, unfortunately, we won't have a full picture of how much revenue we have lost until July because, of course, the federal government and state government followed. They extended the deadline for filing taxes until July 15th, uh, so we won't know exactly for sure how much money uh, is coming into the state coffers until everyone has had a chance to file their taxes for this year. Uh, but the initial report is not good. Uh, the question is now, will the revenue drop be big enough that we are forced to have a budget repair bill if the budget is out of whack because of a downturn in the economy, less um, money coming in. There is a provision in state law that says uh, the governor and the legislature need to fix the situation, and it's called a budget repair bill. Uh, I'm hearing that people still think we're not going to need a budget repair bill, but again, we won't know for sure until July um, there are a couple positive signs here. Withholding taxes are up compared to the year before. Uh, some sales tax numbers are up, suggesting that certain industries that stayed in business saw increased activity even during the lockdown. So uh, it, it is actually kind of a mixed bag right now, uh, but everyone's kind of holding their breath to see what the July returns will, sh will show. And, of course, Brett, the, the economic problems we're seeing in the state of Wisconsin, they are du a direct result of what Governor Evers and his administration did with this unconstitutional, later unlawful virus response. There's the uh, safer at home order. And, you know, I, I want to take a look. Where do things stand at this point? You don't hear nearly as much uh, about the virus and the virus numbers as you used to, you know, weeks ago, months ago, when it was more advantageous for the political left. Uh, but where are things standing now, since I know you still are following the numbers here in the state of Wisconsin? And I think these numbers show not only was the safer at home order unconstitutional, but clearly was an overreaction. Uh, to yesterday, mm -hmm. uh, fathers, or I'm sorry, June 14th uh, showed that we had a total of 420,000 people in the state of Wisconsin have been tested. 
397,000 of those came back negative. We currently have 5,500 sick. Uh, uh, We've had over 16,000 recover from COVID. And here's the key again. We only have 291 who are currently hospitalized with COVID-19. Remember that the whole purpose of Safer at Home, the shelter-in-place order, was to uh, minimize the curve of uh, the infection so that we could save our healthcare system. Uh, we've never really uh, even come close to overwhelming the healthcare system. 291 hospitalized statewide with COVID-19 is certainly um, uh, our healthcare system uh, can handle that. Uh, so uh, I think these numbers continue to show that the safer at home over was an overreaction. And as you point out, unfortunately, it's just done some permanent economic damage to our state, but more importantly to Wisconsinites themselves, uh, the high unemployment rate. And uh, it's going to be tough. Uh, it's going to be a long time before we recover from that damage. Good. As we're being joined by MacGyver Institute's Brett Healy, uh, first of all, if you were being celebrated yesterday for Father's Day, whoever did that, make them do it again next week when it's actually fun, because then you just get twice the gifts and uh, twice the attention. So go for it. Uh, But when it comes to the point that you're making in all seriousness, uh, yes, it's clear. Look at the numbers. There's still zero justification for what Governor Evers and his administration did in violating people's constitutional rights in so greatly harming our state's economy. The numbers never justified it, and they still don't to this day. I, I want to move on to another topic, but first, real quick, on Twitter, not long ago, uh, Governor Evers, he, in, in trying to defend his reaction to the virus, he's taken it to uh, a whole new length here. Did the governor really go on Twitter calling the virus, the Chinese coronavirus, racist? Yeah, he did, and uh, <laughs> seems to go in direct contradiction to his whole, I'm going to follow the science. I'm not sure how a virus can be racist, but apparently that's what the governor believes. <laughs> I mean, it's just so upsetting. The virus, it's kind of like Donald Trump. You know, you know, they call Trump racist all the time. Now Evers is trying to call the virus racist. If Trump is racist, if the virus is racist, these are the worst racists of all time. Because, you know, Trump, he's going and helping all Americans, including uh, Americans in minority communities. Uh, This virus is going and infecting people of all skin colors, including uh, a lot of white people in the state of Wisconsin. I I mean, the virus like Trump, if the virus is racist, then it's like one of the worst racists that I've ever seen, which, of course, in reality, Evers, he's full of it. He knows he's full of it, but now he's just trying to uh, deflect attention from his failed uh, predictions uh, however he can. Uh, We only have a couple minutes left, but, uh, Brett, I want to touch on one more topic here. Uh, The mainstream media, in so many instances, is trying to make it seem like we are crazy when we say that various leftist activists in this country, including in Wisconsin, are calling for the abolishment of police forces when they say out loud, defund the police. But even though the media is trying to call us crazy for saying that's what they're talking about, uh, all you have to do is listen to the individuals and the groups who are yelling defund the police in various cities, including Madison, Wisconsin. And it's pretty obvious they're saying uh, exactly what we're saying, that they want our police forces to be totally abolished. 
Yeah, and all you have to do is really watch the video. If you go to MacGyverInstitute.com, we have a video of a Zoom call that one of the groups, Freedom Inc. and Madison, hosted recently where they talk about uh, the changes they're looking for in, in response to the tragic death of George Floyd. And uh, despite what some of the mainstream media, despite what some Democrat politicians are trying to explain away, that is exactly what they want. They are very clear that... Uh, they're tired of all these other attempts, uh, community policing, trying to develop a, a relationship with the police, hiring minority police officers. They, they talk about this directly in this video, and they say they've tried all those approaches before, and they've all failed. So we have no, uh, no, no other choice but to completely defund and abolish the police force. Uh, and I think uh, this is important. We're getting to the stage now. We're going to start talking about some public policy changes uh, and what exactly uh, those changes mean, I think, is going to be a very important part of this conversation. Uh, and I'm, I'm sorry, but that is exactly what they're asking for. And I think we need to have an honest and genuine conversation about that before we go down too far down this road. Uh, uh, we need to know exactly what exactly they want and how that would work. And that's the big question that they can't even answer is, well, how would things work in a world without a police force? And a question that uh, hopefully we never have to see the answer to. Brett Healy, president of the Wisconsin-based MacGyver Institute. Thank you very much. Thanks, John. 1023. This is the John Muir Show.